It's June 23rd, 2021, and welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you, of course, the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we have Darian Siguenza from Purple Maya, and of course, she's here to tell us about a new entrepreneurial program for women called Found Her. And then we'll be joined by Matthew uh, St. Arnaud, Arnaud, and he's from Normal Studios, and He's here to tell us all about the tech behind the Be- Beyond Van Gogh Honolulu uh, exhibition coming up. Now, right now, I want to welcome Darian. And Darian, you know, if I slaughtered your, your last name, please uh, forgive me and you can you can pronounce it. Uh, I, I, I said uh, Siguenza, so uh, maybe you can uh, correct me. But uh, <laughs> yeah. she's the program no manager worries. over at Purple Maya, uh, and she's here to tell us about this new entrepreneurial program. Uh, called the uh, Hawaii Found Her uh, uh, Accelerator. So, so Darian, tell me, how badly did I mispronounce your name? <laughs> Not badly at all. It's Seguenza. So you were pretty close, a lot closer than most people. Seguenza, <laughs> okay, great. And, and um, Darian, so you've uh, been with uh, Purple Maya for, what, a couple, three months now? Yeah, it's been about three months now. Uh, it's been going great so far, just getting ready to bring on the first cohort of this program. And I've, you know, I've had uh, Alec on, and, and we've talked about a number of uh, Purple Maya programs, and, and of course, uh, they're always innovating, you know, not only giving uh, people an opportunity to, to innovate and uh, challenge their entrepreneurial skills uh, but now you have this new program, and, and maybe, you know, tell us a little bit about the, the genesis of, of Found Her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we recognize um, a real uh, opportunity to support Native Hawaiian, Asian, and Pacific Islander women-owned businesses. Um, our two founders, Bella Hughes of Shaka Tea and Gloria Lau, who most recently was the CEO of YWCA, um, came up with this idea from their own experience and um, speaking with other women entrepreneurs, recognizing that there's a real opportunity to create a, a new innovative program that um, supports women from a holistic point of view. So um, this is going to be our very first cohort starting this year. Um, it's a six-month accelerator, so it's going to be taking place from September to March, and we have a number of amazing resources um we're we're actually going to be the first women's accelerator to offer both child and elder care stipends as well as a non-dilutive grant uh, along with a number of other um, resources so so with uh with purple maya and some of the uh let's say purple prize and and some of the programs Mm -hmm. that they've uh created how would you say founder and i want to make sure that people uh our listeners realize that it's spelled f-o-u-r no found f-u-f-o-u-n-d-h-e-r that's the found h-e-r and exactly and so with the experience that purple maya has already had with some of the you know the accelerator programs like a purple prize uh how do you think the founder accelerator would would be different and how would it emphasize uh women you know uh entrepreneurs mm-hmm. great question so um, Purple Maya's other programs, like that you mentioned, um, did have a, a very high number of women and mothers that were um, entrepreneurs participating. This is going to be the very first program to exclusively focus on Native Hawaiian, Asian, and Pacific Islander women-owned businesses across the state. 
So um, we're going to be bringing on a, an excellent team of mentors. Um, we are focusing on a few different industries. So we're focusing on um, tech, uh, health and wellness, education, um, fashion, and food system. And so we have mentors from each industry that will be working with the companies that we bring on. Um, we'll also have business development curriculum. So each month we'll be focusing on a different topic. And the goal is to lead our participants in having 100 to 300% revenue growth when, within a year of joining the program and also to have a significant increase in their confidence and conviction in their venture um, because we know that uh, women face a number of obstacles as they're starting businesses. And so we really want to put together the best program we can to elevate the amazing work that they're already doing. That's great. And, you know, when, when looking for uh, participants in your first cohort, uh, what stage of the business are you looking for? Are they at the idea stage or they have to be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, fairly already along the road of, you know, doing the business? What, what, are, what are you ideally looking for? Mm-hmm. Sure. So the criteria that we're looking for, a few things. And by the way, this can all be found on our website, which is foundher.org. Um, we're looking for for-profit companies that are early stage, so they'd be past the idea stage, um, around under three years of existence with some proof of concept. So that would be sales, partnerships, active users, anything that shows the demand for the product or service. Um, they have to be at least 50% women-operated that are Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, or Asian descent. Um, and fall within one of those five categories. So tech, food, fashion, education, and health and wellness. And how many, uh, let's say, how many members or, or uh, businesses, companies will you have in the first cohort? This cohort, for the first cohort, we're going to be bringing on five companies. Okay, so you're probably going to have a, a pretty uh, tough time selecting those five <laughs> out of the yeah, pool that you have. Absolutely. We've gotten some great applicants, so it will be a tough decision. Now there's a there's an application and the closing date is coming up really quick. Yes, the application is open now at foundher.org/apply. Applications close on July 1st. Um, we really want to have statewide representation, so I encourage um, businesses across the state to apply. We haven't had any Lanai applicants yet, so if you're listening and you're on Lanai, please apply to the program. We would love to have you. Very good. I'll put the uh, link to the website up. And, of course, the uh, deadline is July 1st, so it's coming up real fast. Mahalo, Darian, for joining us. Thank you. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Matthew St. Arnaud. And he's from Normal Studios. And we'll talk about the technology behind the Beyond Van Gogh Honolulu production. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Bavarian Motor Experts. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio. And of course, I'm now happy to welcome Matthew St. Arnaud, founder and creative director over at Normal Studios and he's uh, here to talk about leveraging, leveraging technology to create an immersive art experience, calling all the way from Montreal, Quebec. And, of course, I want to welcome Matthew to you to you uh, on here at Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks. <laughs> thank you for having me. Now, you know, Matthew, I got I to gotta, you know, thank you first off for staying up late. Uh, you guys are on uh, East Coast time, and, 
uh, it's it's uh, you know the 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 thing about uh, doing this new normal is that uh, I get to talk to people all over the country and as well as uh, uh, all over the world and and uh, it's great to have you calling in and thanks for staying up late for us. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's really an honor. Well, so so Matthew, tell us, um, you know, when I heard about the uh, Beyond Van Gogh uh, exhibit, I thought, wow, this is great. I I wanted to ask you. Now realizing that uh, you're the you're the founder, creative director of of Normal Studios, and and in, in essence the, the the creator of this uh, exhibit, uh, what was uh what was the thought behind, you know, why Van Gogh and and why now? Mm-hmm. Well, it actually started the last fall in September 2020, where uh, uh, Scott Christensen, based in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, which we've been working for over 12 years with. Every year we had a new show, a new production, a musical, a rock band, whatever it was. But since a year now, at that point, we didn't have nothing. We didn't have any work. So he called me up and he said, hey, we've been looking at these. Like, why wouldn't we create these large immersive projection space? I think you know all about this. But about Van Gogh or something like that, you know, we crunched the numbers and we've looked at the statistics, talked to a lot of uh, health uh, uh, officials, and they say we could actually make this happen during COVID. So we could actually generate work for the people, for each other, but also for, 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 for the people we usually work with. And also, and most importantly, to give the opportunity, give something to the audience, to the people to do during COVID uh, in a safe environment. So uh, that's really the the, the, the the spark of it, saying, okay, let's do something. Let's not necessarily reinvent ourselves, but there's an opportunity. I think we can make this happen, and I think people need to have something like this right now. So uh, that was really the, 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 the first impulse. As to uh, why Van Gogh, I asked myself that question immediately, like, okay, like the, it's, it's been talked about. We know him. Everybody knows him. Uh, I just said, let's give us like a week. We're going to talk about it on our side. We're going to have the meeting, some brainstorm, try to find an interesting angle. We need to get excited. We need to find a creative approach here that, that makes sense for us. And, and like I said, get us excited and, and to create something that's going to be fun and, 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 and awe-inspiring. So uh, we went back to the studio, started having some meeting with uh, uh, Fanny Curtat, uh, a good friend, uh, an art historian, uh, and we started pitching our ideas to her, and we started jamming these ideas, and immediately she started saying, oh, you know, uh, Van Gogh is like the, he's the archetype of the tortured artist, but that's always what we talk first of, the ear-cutting, uh, suicide, and all of that, and, and, and a lot of problems during his lifetime, and says it, it's okay, but like it, it kind of shadows his, his work, you know? And so it would be fun to go beyond Van Gogh, you know, and meet the artist and I was saying like oh go beyond that and go and meet Vincent something really personal mm-hmm. and we started talking about going beyond the frame beyond the image beyond what we know of Vincent's work and to actually step inside his world step inside his dream in vision of the world what he painted and what he might have painted also so that got us really excited about the uh, creating this experience which offered a totally new perspective on his work so if you know Van Gogh's work if you've seen it or if you don't really know it, you can actually discover it or rediscover it from an angle you've never looked at. So you're actually a character inside his, 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 his world, inside his vision, inside his painting. So that got us really excited. So we said, okay, let's, let's, let's do it. I think we, we can make this happen. So that's really how everything started over the course of um, like a week, 
we had the first conversation, and after that, we were excited about creating this project, and we just started working full time on it. You know that uh, that, but, conver- you know. that conversation that you had that uh, initially popped uh, Vincent Van Gogh's name up. That must have been a similar conversation with a number of other exhibit uh, production mm-hmm. houses. That that all of a sudden there seems to be a you know summer of twenty twenty one. Vincent Van Gogh craze because, you know, this is not only happening in in Hawaii, uh, it's happening all across the country. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it, it's funny, and it's been going on for years. Actually, I've known about. I've seen an exhibit in Montreal in uh, 2019 mm-hmm. uh, here, yeah, in Montreal, and it was based based on a, a French production that has been going on in Europe, in France for quite a while. But it's never been in the in the U.S. or anywhere else in the world, really. So we were looking at this, or in Canada, we're like, okay, I've seen one, and it did three cities. Like, you have multiple cities. There's 25 million people here. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to see this, especially during COVID. So, uh, but it ended up we weren't the only ones that had that idea. Apparently, we just went for it, and really, we really got excited about our creative approach and what we could offer differently. So we didn't think a second like oh it's going to be the same as the other ones no i've seen the other one we're going completely we're not trying to replicate a museum experience we're trying to complement and offer a new perspective a new angle something that's completely different and complementary to going to the museum so i i like we hear the word exhibit but i think like it's an experience Mm because the exhibit is more of the museum world we're trying to create something all about emotion it's very personal you go in there you do the experience, and you actually feel what you want to feel with his paintings. It's something that's very personal. That's what we wanted to create for people also. So something you really connect and actually meet Vincent. Like, you go beyond Van Gogh, and you just say, I'm meeting Vincent and trying to connect with his work and the emotion that he actually painted on the canvas. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that, that Hawaii got on the list. How did, how did the, uh, the decision to have it be held at the uh, Hawaii Convention Center. I think that's a, a great location. Was there? Mm-hmm. Does, did, did anybody need to be convinced that uh, Beyond Van Gogh ought to take place there? Well, I, I was actually very happy myself to 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 go to Hawaii to go to Honolulu like this. It's it's very exciting. Uh, I wasn't part of the initial conversation, but yes, uh, the first thing that we looked first and foremost is okay. Is there a venue that we can actually uh, deploy uh, the 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 creative vision and to try to be the the most accurate and the highest level of quality we can because it's not necessarily for hanging points and everything like there's specific requirements for the space so when we find a city and there's a nice space we're like okay let's find a way to make it happen there's a nice space there's people and, and i'm pretty sure they're going to enjoy this so that i think i assume this is how they went we're really trying to find these really gems of location where we feel it's a, a great city, great people, and then a great location. So it's just a natural fit, I think. So it went really, really quickly, actually. Like, I started hearing murmurs of maybe Honolulu, uh, uh, and then two weeks after, it was already done and then going forward. Oh, wow. Like, very, very quickly. I think it's just a natural fit we're looking for. And when it, it works, well, it just works. And I think that the... the the, the producers and the operations people that we work with that, that actually carry this, all the logistics behind it and make it happen, they saw this opportunity as a golden opportunity in a sense. They said, we have to go there. Like, it, it, just, it just fits, so we need to go there. 
I think I, I assume this is how it happened because it, it happened pretty quickly. But I'm super excited to that we are able to go uh, to go there. You can there's a lot of city in, on the mainland U.S. But to go to Hawaii, I think is there's a statement also that it's like it's for everybody. It's not for kids or elderly or or disabled. Like it's for everybody, but it's for everybody, and we're aiming also much larger than just uh, in our back door, like in our neighborhood. We're trying to go elsewhere in the world. So uh, I was super excited to to that when we learned that we're going to uh, Honolulu. I'm I'm curious when you said the you know the site and the specifications of what you would need in order to to create the production here. Uh, before we get into the, the the tech discussion, what is it that would be some of the qualifying parameters of where this uh, production needs to would would need to. Uh, what are the requirements for this production to take place you know at a particular venue mm-hmm. well well for sure to recreate the immersive aspect uh, the, we need a specific uh, i'd say ceiling height with with hanging and we can actually have the screens to the height that it was designed for which is currently at 22 feet high mm-hmm. so we need to have at least that so some overhead to be able to project and do all that we need to do to create the, the, the magic or the immersive aspect of this so you can lose yourself in it. So that's very, very important. I'd say it's the first parameter. And I also think that location, because, yes, you're going into an experience, but when you, you want to go somewhere that's pleasant, that's fun, that like you already know, it's, and, and it, the, the whole onboarding process, because it's not when you're inside, like before and after is important also. So I think also uh, location is, uh, is, is important for sure. But I say, yeah, for sure. The, the, what we've been all like, we always look at the first thing is uh, the, the 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 height, the ceiling. What we have, can we actually make it as immersive as we've designed it? We could go a bit lower, but uh, we don't want to go too low either. We don't want to lose that that immersive feeling where you actually completely use you uh, lose yourself in the image. Well, you know, I, I I've been to the convention center uh, multi- multiple times, and it is very high ceilings. And and when you do go into yeah any of the uh, rooms or spaces there, it, it does kind of give you a feel of spaciousness, you know, just the fact that uh, the ceilings are, are relatively high. So I do want to mm-hmm. I, I kind of get into some of the, the technology that is required mm-hmm. to create this immersive experience. So what we'll do is we'll hold that thought. We'll be right back after this uh, short break to continue our conversation with Matthew St. Arnaud from Normal Studios, and we're talking about the, the Beyond Van Gogh exhibit. Well maybe production, and, of course, the intersection of art and technology. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bike Marks Cafe on HPR One. I'm Bert Lum. And of course, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Matthew St. Arnaud from Normal Studios. And we're talking about the Beyond Van Gogh production. And of course, uh, we want to kind of get into the, the tech aspect of it. And, and, and Matthew, you uh, and Normal Studios basically created the concept for uh, displaying you know, the, the, the Van Gogh artwork. Uh, and of course, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of tech behind the scenes that is is required to do all the projections and all the multimedia. Now, maybe give us a give us a you know, sort of behind the scenes assessment of of what it takes to actually pull this all off. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I always say it's a bit like an onion, so multiple layers and fine layers, and you add them all together, and it creates the final result, the experience that you'll you'll soon be able to to, to see and go to. for sure, uh, uh, all of the work actually funnels down in the end. Everything that we do, that we imagine, that we create, that we produce, ends up in uh, uh, what we call media servers, where it's a series of computers all linked and synchronized together that actually uh, uh, enable us to take 30 projectors, uh, 3032, to, to actually, and we're projecting in all the space, and this takes these 32 single images into one one single image so you're actually inside not 30 projectors or 30 single images but you're actually inside one large scale projection or large scale projected image so to create that illusion so so for sure anything that we do do actually ends up in this system that actually feeds and synchronizes it, it feeds all the projectors and synchronizes all together so that everything is accurately uh, uh, synced and looks good, and that you actually don't feel where one projector starts or ends, like the illusion is perfect. You just see one image, what we actually created or what we wanted you to see. Is this is the is the projection system, how complex is it? I mean, is it like something like what you would encounter in a planetarium, but you have multiple projectors all synchronized with, with each other? Mm-hmm. Well, we've done a lot of planetarium work also, and it's Yes, but there would be less projector in a planetarium, but projection projecting on a dome or like a semi-sphere is a sphere is the hardest thing to try to map with projection. Like it's completely insane. It looks simple, but it's the worst. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's something similar where you take multiple projectors from multiple angles and you try to recreate and you you, you use a different system to to blend these. That's what we actually call them. Like it's just blending all the images together to create a single images a single image which you actually feed what you've actually produced before so everything you've done before actually funnels into this system so this needs to be aligned and they actually do uh, calibration every day they look at it they tweak it more the morning and in the the, the, the night also before and after when people come in uh, they actually look at it they tweak it they they're always maintaining it to to create this illusion and to maintain it for for, for the audience so if you were to if you were to describe for our listeners what you would experience perhaps the 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 walk that you would take through the exhibit uh mm-hmm. how would you how would you describe that i mean you know is it is a is it a path that you might take through the exhibit mm-hmm. well it's actually we've designed it especially with covid we wanted to make it simple uh, open you can actually it's a free roaming thing so you walk around you go wherever you want uh, there's enough space to, to socially distance as you feel fit and comfortable. So it's uh, it's actually comprised in three levels or three areas, if you want. So when we, we the guests actually come in, they're greeted in a section we call the education area, where, yes, there is information on Van Gogh, but we wanted to give context uh, about him, his work, his body of work, and what, and what he represents, and, and our creative approach on him, like what we wanted to explore and what we want to show people or the angle we want or the perspective we want to offer people to view and experience his work. So it's really linking his life, facts, and how we saw it and, and things that we resonated with us to give uh, the, 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 some information and pointers as people enter. They're a bit more prepared. Uh, the second space is something that was very uh, dear for me, uh, 
in a sense that I wanted to create just a small moment, a small space where you, you, you're actually a, a bit, there's a moment of awe and wonder a bit. So it's not something that you see, it's when you enter, but it created this, inspired by Van Gogh's work on turbulence. You know, when you look at Starry Night, mm-hmm. he actually painted the wind and the air current. He actually saw those, but it's like decades later that scientists said, and they actually figured out the maps to say, wow, he was actually right. He was seeing wind and painting it. So it really inspired by this turbulence, by his work with color, to create this waterfall of color that people need to actually go through. You know, when you have a waterfall and there's a hidden cave with a treasure behind it, so you have this waterfall of color that people need to go through to actually enter what we call the dream gallery, which is the main part of the experience where you're actually stepping beyond the frame, beyond the image, and beyond Van Gogh to meet Vincent himself and to be enter his paintings actually and be characters or fully immersed in his painting instead of looking at them uh, as they you usually know them or you would see them in a museum you're actually stepping inside the frame and you're walking in his painting and in his vision of the world also now if you if you you know how you're describing this uh it sounds very captivating and if you start to walk through the exhibit are you uh, are you kind of like ushered through because what if you just want to like hang out and stay there a long time or is there like a time limit what do you do about people who are just so captivated that you can't move them along well i'd say you can stay there <laughs> <That's> the objective. <laughs> if it, this is what you need then you need this moment to feel what you have to feel and i think you know a, a human nature just parses itself out like people will stay longer some people will stay shorter like People move around, but what we've seen already in, in Miami in over two months of operation on, on mainland U.S. is, uh, like, people stay, people, like, I, we've seen people bring chairs. They brought chairs, and they just sat down, and it's like, we're here for a while. We're going <laughs> to enjoy this. And, we're gonna, and they actually brought lawn chairs. Like, wow, okay, this is a first. Like, it was funny, but they did their thing. I think they fully enjoyed their experience. They didn't bother anybody with it, and they just did their thing. It was kind of funny, but... I enjoyed that moment where people took the time and 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 and, and just to to enjoy and, and took the time uh, to 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 really experience this to the level they needed. So for sure, it's very it's free roaming, it's open, it's organic. But for what we what we've seen it, it works really well. It's wide, it's open. There's a lot of space. Even if you have kids, I have kids. Like they want to run around, they can run around. There's yeah. space. Like for me, that it's for the whole family. Parents don't need to be. Too, too, too scared. Oh, he's running around. He's disturbing people. There's music. They're seeing it. It's alive. It's festive. It's full of color. Like it, 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 it's, it's a moment to take a break from everyday life. That's really what we've designed and wanted it for, uh, wanted it to be for people. So, I think it's okay if people want to take time. They take time. If they roam or they zip through or they go back to the education area, they want to read more. They want to read, read again something, and then they want to go more in depth in that. That's okay too, in, in a sense. Well, I think you've you know started the, or, or maybe uh, added more fuel to the uh, Van Gogh Renaissance experience, and I think there will be a resurgence of interest in in Van Gogh's paintings and 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 perhaps even some of the the, the movies that have been out. So, just tell us real quickly uh, for people who want to check this out, where would they go to uh, buy tickets? Well, the best place would be for sure the the website, which is uh, Van Gogh uh, for sure, and it's at the, the uh, Hawaii Convention Center uh, in Honolulu. So, uh, so 
starting on July 2nd, I believe. So the website is the best place to get tickets. Actually, maybe the only one. Sounds but I would say website is the safest and fastest. Great. Sounds great. Uh, Matthew St. Arnaud, and he's the founder and creative director over at Normal Studios and the upcoming Beyond Van Gogh production. And, of course, I want to thank you for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about non-fungible tokens. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You stay safe, you stay awesome, and we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Oh, 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 oh